our society, our understanding and our humanity, all of it has grown and changed to understand that all people are created equal. And the Constitution has to apply equally to all, even those not literally mentioned in the original Constitution written hundreds of years ago. Hi, welcome to The Strengths on Third, our psychology and social justice podcast. I'm psychologist Julie Mayer. And hey, I'm psychologist Cindy Ariel. Welcome in. You know, Cindy, how the Supreme Court is called the Supreme Court, the most important, the last word? Oh, yes, Julie. Something supreme is the greatest, the most powerful, and the highest. Well, our Supreme Court is two out of three, the most powerful and the highest, but the greatest, not so much. Definitely not so much. And it hasn't been great at all lately. As a matter of fact, it makes me angry a lot. Me too. The inscription outside the Supreme Court building says equal justice under law, but the decisions of our highest court don't always meet out equal justice. Right. And lately... I haven't noticed a whole lot of equal justice at all. In the past, I actually did respect the Supreme Court. They made some good decisions and at least some very important ones. Supreme Court decisions clearly change with the judges and reflect their beliefs, attitudes and values. Well, and of course, this has always been the case, Cindy, but it's so much more noticeable now. It's also surprising because there are more women and minorities appointed to the court. But even so... The Supreme Court has become a microcosm of the bend toward authoritarian white wing rule like the rest of the nation. And they have power. Yeah, the white wing right wing majority has been pushed onto the court, empowered by the rising white supremacist patriarchy. We've talked about this in several of our podcasts, and it's worth repeating because the Supreme Court has clearly turned away from equal justice under the law. For one, for one big one, the court's decision to overturn Roe versus Wade in the case of Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization, and also the court's decision to side against the rule of needing proper cause for concealed weapons in New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin, has shown us how the court plans to push its agenda. Yes, it wants women to die and it wants children to die. Hmm. Sure, why not? They're relying clearly on originalism, which is, and I have to say it's a ridiculous belief, which believes the intent of those who actually wrote the Constitution is what, first of all, we're supposed to know, but also it's what we need to be focused on when we consider if something is constitutional or not. It's as if they believe it's okay that time stopped and we could actually know what was going on in the minds of those people hundreds of years ago. And in other words, they interpret the Constitution according to the assumed thoughts of the original writers. 18th century white men who wrote the Constitution to apply only to themselves and other 18th century white men. Of course, 
These are men who denied the right to vote, to own property, to have bodily independence, or to even be an independent human at all to everyone except, once again, 18th century white men. I bet more than one of them knew someone, or maybe more than one, who had an abortion because while women weren't considered separate people with no rights, they still got pregnant and they still had abortions. But constitutional rights did not apply to women, so of course it wasn't in the Constitution at all. And many of those men would probably have changed their perspective over 200 years later. They were intelligent, some of them, believed in science and rational thought, some of them. But even if they wouldn't have, it shouldn't matter. No, it shouldn't, Cindy. The world and our society, our understanding and our humanity, all of it has grown and changed to understand that all people are created equal. And the Constitution has to apply equally to all even those not literally mentioned in the original constitution written hundreds of years ago. Seems obvious. Yeah. But part of the reason we also still have these right-wing views is that too many white men and white women enjoy the privileges that these ways of thinking bring. And the truth is inequality was there from the very start. The constitution was mostly creating rules to balance the needs of individual states with the needs of the United States, just like a lot of laws do now. A lot of federal policies or laws kick back the decisions to the states to decide. But both each state individually and the states united, the United States as one country, were represented by rich white men. So it was like a corporate law firm helping rich white people on two sides fight each other for more. (laughs) The traditional or originalist way of interpreting the Constitution is patriarchal white supremacy. There really is no other way to see it. And that's where the amendments came in, to undo the racist and misogynist beliefs about how people should be treated and who is even considered a human. A human. Even Clarence Thomas, who wouldn't even be allowed on an original court, goes along with the white supremacist doctrine. He doesn't just go along with it. He was the first one to suggest that once they reversed Roe versus Wade, They should take a look at other rights that should be taken back, or they weren't what the original authors of the Constitution had in mind. You know, things like same-sex marriage and contraception. Right. And then there's the Second Amendment. The white supremacist patriarchy wants to be able to bear arms, all kinds of arms, even those clearly solely meant for the military and mass killings. And sometimes it seems like they only want other people, like, say, black people, to bear arms so they have a reason to gun them down. So it seems our Supreme Court is tearing down the meaning and purpose of the Constitution and its amendments and the idea of equal justice under the law instead of empowering and broadening it. The current court also changes its basis for decisions when it wants things to go another way. If it's not to the white man, it's to the money, which basically is the same thing, but there are sometimes different ways you have to get there. Some of their decisions clearly just don't seem to be what's best for people, like for the population at large. It's really obvious. Easing gun restrictions and reducing bodily autonomy doesn't seem in anyone's true best interest. Same thing with their environmental and business decisions. They don't decide to protect the environment or marginalized communities. They decide to protect money and business. The decision, for example, in West Virginia versus the Environmental Protection Agency 
was that the EPA does not have the authority to regulate gas emissions. That's what the EPA exists to do. They just make crap up. Yep. By now, we all know how horrible that is for the environment, for the health of all of us and for the planet. What are they thinking? They clearly don't care about people or the planet, just power and money and their own lives. And of course, white supremacy. As we've talked about, the originalists, of which there are now at least five on the Supreme Court, they claim to be neutral. They're not. Well, just to be clear, no one's neutral. And neutrality isn't a good thing. And like I said, it's not a real thing. I used to see the Supreme Court as having the role of protecting society. What a joke that they pretend to be neutral. What's neutral about caring for society? It's not neutral. It's a ridiculous rationale being used to push their white supremacist patriarchal agenda and to limit rights and protections clearly in the best interest of actual people of our country. These more recent cases are nowhere near the only ones decided by the Supreme Court that ruled in favor of the conservative far-right agenda. There have been rulings over all the years in power that have affected the rights of people and upheld systemic racism. There's been an ongoing battle to root it out versus to keep it going for a long time, probably the whole history of this country. A lot of racist rulings still exist, like something called the insular cases, which limit the extent to which the Constitution applies to residents in territories the U.S. holds, like Puerto Rico and the Philippines. Wait, why would people in these places not have the same constitutional rights as every other American? I totally don't understand the rationale. Are they lesser beings, deserving fewer rights and less protection? It's absolutely infuriating. For one thing, they happen to be people of color, and they've been referred to as aliens. You know, like all the aliens at the southern border, aliens all over the world. These aren't people. These are aliens. Right. These rulings are over 100 years old, and still the U.S. Supreme Court hasn't voted to overturn them. They're too busy, you know, with Roe v. Wade. Puerto Ricans are U.S. citizens, yet the Constitution does not fully apply to them. It is really hard to understand the rationale. Territories acquired before 1898, like, say, Florida, they were assumed to be covered by the Constitution. But then those acquired after that, like Guam and Puerto Rico, they were not covered by the Constitution. What's the difference besides the obvious racism? The way Florida's been going... Maybe they shouldn't have the equal protections. That would be excellent, actually. <laughs> Not really. There's still a lot of people down there. Of course there are. <laughs> We're joking. And we don't really claim to know enough about the nuances of the law and the Constitution and how it's applied to territories and other U.S. expansion. But the optics aren't great. Right. Also, a lot of civil rights groups and even other justices have criticized how protections and rights applying to territory residents are handled. And many have acknowledged the racist origin of the rules and how they're still applied. According to the Brennan Center for Justice, an independent nonpartisan law and policy organization at BrennanCenter.org, this is a quote, with the Supreme Court's extremist behavior, the need for substantive reform is imperative if we are to have a judiciary that reflects a functioning democracy. And you know, Cindy, that's the greatest worry here. It seems like the Supreme Court does not reflect a functioning democracy. I'm not even sure we still have one. That is the big question. You can learn more about 
the issues we've been talking about and ways to help out or get involved on their website, again, at brennancenter.org. Please check it out. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening today. You can find us at shrinksonthird.com and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Shrinks on Third. Until next time, take care.